Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peach Reese 5th, next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. In the heart of the Erie Downtown Development Corporation's footprint, and we are excited to have with us the CEO of the EDDC. That's an alphabet soup, isn't it? <laughs> John Persinger, good to see you, sir. Thank you for having me. Always I tell you what, we, I, we, you know, we had you guys on like the first week of the year, and I'm like, okay, new quarter, let's get John back in because things are happening and changing that quickly downtown. We're moving down here. This is a big year for us. As you can see from, you've got great view right here on State Street. Across the street from you, we're making great progress on the building at 5th and State. Apartments um, should be open in the next few weeks. We're waiting on some electrical sockets. There are 30 units on the up floors, upper floors. Nine of the 30 are already claimed. So if you oh are interested goodness. in living downtown, please get in touch with us. Uh, you can go to eriedc.org and track us down. But they're going fast. And we had Ascend, our climbing gym, who's going to operate on the ground two floors in last week. They're going to be back in again this week. They're making great progress on that ground floor space. The building that is at the corner of 5th and Peach is moving along. We opened the parking garage, the first two floors of the parking garage back in February. This, uh, that block is gonna be finished this year. We're gonna open Fifth Street back up this fall. It's gonna be quite a different downtown in just a few months. It's, it's amazing and when, when you first told us about all this, you said this is all about shocking the market. And you think about the kind of the uh, splash zone or the, or the impact zone of what the EDDC has done. And now you've got uh, projects on state by other owners. You've got Richford Armstrong are almost done with their project. You've got the, uh, the Erie Children's Museum uh, who is, you know, almost finished with the new building and then they're gonna go and, and take uh, a look at their o older building. And so there has been quite a bit of, of stuff going on and it's, it's quite exciting. In these few blocks, it's amazing to see how much investment has occurred, not just from us, but as you pointed out, from other actors, from the Children's Museum, who are doing an $18 million project, from Richford Arms, who did a $26 million project. And it doesn't have to be just the big property owners. We see right across um, State Street from us, 
Charisma Salon is expanding and, and is upgrading their facade, and it looks great already. Wow. So it really is an exciting time for downtown. And if you haven't been downtown in a while, I encourage you to get down here, ch- uh, come to the food hall, come to the market, check out the new restaurant Bricks at the cashier's house, stop into all our great stores, and um, maybe you get to see a live uh, performance from Talk Erie <laughs> if you're down here during the week. Yeah, absolutely. People are always <laughs> waving and all that Let's roll back to um, what I had heard is kind of the origin story of the EDDC, okay? We're, we're sitting at Metro 100. Were you there for that uh, I, at the Jefferson? I was. I had to um, sneak an invite. I was not included on the list I originally. had to sneak one, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we were in the same boat. I kind of I said, hey, Ferky, is there room for me? Anyway, um, Book John or uh, Charles Buki, Buki, Charles yeah. Buki made a presentation and he wasn't pulling any punches. Yep. Basically, he said, "You know this this uh, this town needs six hundred million dollars worth of investment." And my understanding is is that your president of the EDDC, also president of Erie Insurance, Tim DeCastro, said, "Well, what would it take, right?" And and then he then. Then all of a sudden, people started doing research and due diligence, and the EDDC was formed. Talk about that. I'm glad that you brought this up because a lot of people see the success now. They see the revitalization now. And I have to remind them that it wasn't a foregone conclusion that we would get to this point. It takes people. It takes leadership to make these things happen. We're so fortunate that we've got a wonderful board president, Tim DeCastro, who at that time when Buki was delivering his plan, knew that someone somewhere somehow needed to implement it. And thanks to him and a few others who he rounded up from the private sector, CEOs, philanthropic leaders, they went at, they talked to Buki, he encouraged them to go look at Cincinnati, they went out to Cincinnati, they came back inspired, but most importantly, they raised the money to make this happen. That's incredible. None of this happens without uh, money. You, you have to pay for building supplies. You have to pay for labor. You can have all the great ideas and energy in the world, but it doesn't happen unless you have money. And these, this group of eight, uh, Tim and the other leaders, did the toughest job of all this in convincing people to give $27.5 million dollars to uh, an idea there wasn't even a plan at that point in time there wasn't a concept it was just an idea that we are going to revitalize our downtown and we need private money to make it happen five years on we've been able to leverage that 27 and a half million for about 100 million dollars all in that's a hundred million dollars of private uh, money that's been invested in downtown there's not a single dollar of taxpayer funds and at the same time, we've been paying property uh, taxes on all these projects. We started out paying 176000 We got bumped up to 240000 after we bought these buildings. When it's all said and done, we'll be paying close to $2.5 million in property taxes. So the community benefits from having a revitalized downtown, from having more people living downtown, from having uh, great shops and restaurants and amenities that they can show off. But they also benefit by having private investment, invest in the community, and pay property taxes, which is going to benefit everyone in the community. People really need to have this sink in. And I know we've been talking about this since the show started in 2019, but you have to realize that when you when you compare something like this to the juice plant or the casino at uh, 
at Hammer Mill or all those things. So much of that was going to be public money. You know, in fact, the juice plant, you know, was like RCAP money that just kind of vanished in thin air. Uh, th- that was public money. This is private money. This is skin in the game, long-term investment for long-term gain. And what's made this, I think, even more significant is that we had to put together projects that made financial sense. The payoff won't be today, as you point out. The um, uh, members of the Erie Downtown Equity Fund are willing to be patient and to see a turnaround. All throughout the pandemic, they didn't panic. They didn't um, uh, pull up reins. They didn't pull up stakes. They were taking a long-term approach. They said, we're investing for the next 50 years, not the next 50 days. And so we had to put together projects that made sense over that time period. And that's why I think not only has this been an incredible success thus far, but it's going to be an incredible success going forward because these projects can sustain themselves without needing an infusion of free money all the time. Wow. Wow. The, it, it's so important. All right. And so um, we, we did like a, a, a quick um, bounce around the neighborhood, but maybe we can go like take a deep dive here. And I, I, I feel like we need to emphasize the retail and the residential because those are two areas where people thought um, you'll never get anybody to rent from you, John. And that you've turned that, first off, how? How do you think that you've turned that narrative on its ear? I have to give a lot of credit to our experienced director, Ryan Hoover, who's out there really day-to-day selling these apartments. He does a great job in creating experience. That's why we call it the experienced director. It's not about managing property. It's not about leasing apartments. It's about creating an experience in downtown where you would want to live, where you would want your kids to live, your family to live, your friends to live. And so what we've tried to do with that experience is give, pr- provide high-quality housing. So top-of-the-line finishes, washer-dryers in units, great amenities within the building, and also an experience in and around the neighborhood. So our residents get access to the different events that we put on, like curling and cornhole. They get to experience the uh, great public art that's happening down here. They get to take advantage of all the ground floor amenities, like the shops and the restaurants and the food hall. So it really is an experience that's drawn people into these apartments. There's nothing like this, I think, anywhere in the market. And that's why I think we've been able to fill these apartments so quickly. And that's why people are uh, wanting to see this building across the street get open because they're claiming spots right away. It's so interesting. So, uh, the, you know, there are, there are apartments here. We're in the DeLuca building. There are apartments at North Park Row. I, I mean, some of them are just one of a kind. You know, that double-decker two-bedroom uh, two that's overlooking the park there's there's no other view like that what i love about our portfolio of residential units is how diverse they are Mm -hmm. we have great um units in these historic buildings we have some that have incredible views looking over north park row we'll get you up in the building at fifth and state and you can see those wonderful water views wow so it's really spectacular how diverse this portfolio is yeah it really is and and uh you mentioned that as far as fifth and stake goes, that you're you've already got nine that are that are have got a, a signature and and basically twenty one more. Uh, and uh, when will those go online? When do you when do you think people can move in? 
We're hopeful that people can move in in June. We are waiting for some electrical sockets. We hope those will come in. They can't, over the- <laughs> they can't just go up to Value Home Center and get those, right? You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's been so a crazy. it's been a wild world, as you know, that we've been yes. living in over the last few years. You never know what's around, what's not around, and what's uh, now a hundred times more expensive. But yeah. I, again, and I think that is another reason um, why our board organizations deserve so much credit. At any given time over the last few years, it would have been easy to say, this is too hard, this is too difficult, COVID's created too many uncertainties, um, supply chain issues have created too many challenges, labor shortages have created too many challenges, inflation has caused these projects to go out of control, but no. They were committed to downtown, they're committed to the community, they told us to keep pushing forward, find a way around it, deal with the challenges and keep moving. That's what we're doing here, and those electrical sockets will come soon, and we'll get those folks moved in in the next few months, and they're going to love their great views from up on those upper floors. When, when you when you put the numbers together, does it make sense? Like, is there a, is there a, a profit margin at the end of the day? Absolutely. We have investors into these projects who are not just from the Erie Downtown Equity Fund, and so we've had to make sure that these projects made sense from a financial perspective. Um, they, we have social impact investors, historic tax credit investors. We've got traditional debt lenders. They are not giving away money. These are it's not free money. There's no taxpayer dollars involved. These are uh, private projects funded by private dollars, and they are anticipating a return. Um, again, they're being patient and they're willing to wait for that turnaround. But these projects had to have made financial sense before they pulled the trigger on investing. Before I, I, I leave residential, let's go over to Fifth and Peach. That's looking for what, an end of year uh, completion there? By this fall, we should have that project done and How opened. many more apartments are over there? There are 32 apartments on the upper floors, three ground floor retail spaces, which we'll be announcing in the next few months. And uh, it does have a uh, entrance to the parking garage on Fifth Street. So people will be able to pull into the parking garage from Peach and then uh, exit uh, from a walkway on Fifth Street. Where are people that live here in uh, on uh on the east side of state, where do they park? Like, where is their cars? You know, it's funny. You mentioned um, the first sort of when we announced that we were going to do apartments, people said no one's going to live downtown. Yeah, yeah. And then we announced prices, and they said no one's going to pay those prices. And then they said no one's going to no. There's no parking. No one's going to come downtown. We have 42 apartments. All 42 were filled in a matter of weeks. There were no park. There was no parking. People figured it out. They parked on the street. They parked in the garages that are down here. Some people parked at their employers, which are within walking distance. Mm -hmm. People have figured out how to live without parking in other cities for years now. And I'm not surprised that we were able to figure it out in Erie. John, um, we talk a lot about, you know, who's, who's up for the task of revitalizing Erie. We talk about the private sector. We talk about the nonprofit sector. And oftentimes our criticism is at the public sector. And again, uh, you know, I want to hear from your mouth as far as how much has the uh, the Schember administration, the Davis administration, and maybe the Dahlkepper administration before him, how have they been as a partner, the, you know, the public sector as a partner for this endeavor? 
we've appreciated the public sector support. You look across the street and you see all the construction work that's been going on. We were able to move so quickly because Fifth Street was closed. The um, city hall had allowed us to close Fifth Street and park construction vehicles and equipment there. We own the properties on both sides of the street, so that helped. Um, the new county executive has been encouraging and figuring out ways where he can be supportive. He calls me all the time to check in. And I've been uh, appreciative of that. We have monthly meetings with the mayor and his senior staff. I try to uh, go before city council, county council, and the school board from time to time to keep them apprised. Um, while we've appreciated their support, I, I think one of the things that's enabled us to move so quickly is the fact that this is a private sector-driven uh, project. We have a fantastic board. We have very responsive executive director uh, in executive uh, committee. I, if there's something that I need authorized, I can send an email and get a response from all of them within 24 hours. Mm. It's different from the public sector where you have to have a notice period and public hearings and comments. That's allowed us to move so quickly as we just have a different structure and a different focus. But uh, appreciated their support and um, know that there's still more work to be done. They're they're uh, they're doing meetings about streetscapes and things. I notice that they're starting uh, south of the park, uh, down the 12th Street. Maybe waiting till uh, you, at least your phase one is complete to look at what this might look like. But I'm sure hoping that we will see some upgrades of the streetscape. I mean, many of our you know, just our light poles and things they're just they're just shot, John. I'm just just gonna say it, you know. I've you know got gaping holes at the base of some of these aluminum poles. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I mean we we need to make it look right. Yes, when I first took on this job, I walked around the area quite a bit and counted at one point in time eight different types of light poles. <laughs> is that right? So there are yeah. there is some low hanging fruit. The master streetscaping plan is from 2010. It's good to see that it's finally getting implemented. Um, but oh, that we oh, that's not the one that we implemented in 2010. This is one that we were waiting on. This yes, so okay. it was the report. The plan was done in 2010. It just never got implemented. So gotcha. it's good to see that uh, 13 years on, it's finally getting implemented. Um, but you, you know, there is um, there is a lot that needs to be done. I think though, the most important thing is. We've got that ball rolling. Mm -hmm. We've had this huge um, injection of investment happening in the downtown core, all the way from the Bayfront up to 18th Street. And so coming in after with some uh, some new sidewalks, some curb cuts, some new lighting, some uh, plantings will help. But the most important thing about from, 12, from the Bayfront to 18th is are we investing in these physical buildings? And yeah. if you take a look around, I think that's an absolute yes. Yeah, if you go south of EDDC's footprint, you do see, again, project after project, value momentum. Correct. You have Pete Zafras. Correct. It's it's pretty exciting. Uh, John, we're going to grab a phone call here. Hey, you're live with John Persinger on Talk Erie and the Joel Natale Show. Hello. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, what are they going to do on the section from 12th and State to 14th? street how dark it is a lot of your owners of the business there they've been com complaining about that section being really dark all right i'll let i'll let him uh talk about this after uh, uh, uh off the line um 
So anyway, that's not your that's not your section there. But there is that complaint. I mean, we even have that down here. Fourth Street is pretty dark, you know. Yeah, th- and that is a um, understandable concern amongst uh, business owners, amongst uh, visitors to downtown, amongst residents. You want a well lit uh, neighborhood, no matter where you live, and so we do should be always taking a look at the lighting situation and seeing whether it's appropriate, whether it needs to be invested, whether it needs to be upgraded. What's amazing is how much technology has changed. And from 2010, when that master streetscaping plan was done to today, think about just the technology and lighting that's changed. And so it is important that we're looking at these and making sure that we are up to date with the times and not just constantly playing catch up. Let's talk uh, about the, um, you know, as far as the shock to the market when we talk about residential, one of one of the first things we talked about is how do we get more balance between market rate housing and subsidized housing? In your estimation, how how much has that pendulum swung? It hasn't swung too much. We at the EDC have done some data analytical work with MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth. It's a um, it's a, a wing of the credit card company that does social impact data analytical work. They identified that 95% of the housing in downtown is affordable housing or subsidized housing. We've brought 42 market rate units to the downtown core. There are in total probably about 3,000 oh, really? folks living in downtown. So the majority are living in affordable housing. And even when we add the 100 that is still to come, it won't, have, uh, it won't change the balance in downtown. It's going to help, but it's not going to change that balance at all. What, what would be a prescription to, to fix that or, or at least get you know, two-thirds to one-third, for example? More housing. It's it's simple economics. You just need more housing and more quality housing. I think there's plenty of housing in the marketplace in Erie. We have, as you know from the Buki plan, in abundance, a surplus of uh, buildings, including housing, but it's of a low quality. It's somewhere where you may not want to live. You may not want your family to live. And so we need to be building new housing. We need to be renovating buildings, Um, but it's expensive. And especially in this day and age with inflation and interest rates up significantly it makes it tough to do that housing it'd be interesting to see uh if we'll start seeing you know outside developers you know drop in some of those uh some of those kind of cookie cutter you know apartments like you'll see in a in a college town or something like that um you know because they're they're springing up everywhere at least where i'm traveling i just haven't seen them very much here with me, not in Australia, is John Persinger, the CEO of the EDDC. We'll, we'll do a little... Day like today could feel like Australia. Yeah, it sure does, it's right? A gorgeous day in downtown I'm, I was looking for koala bears just going right across <laughs> State Street. You never know. You might Somebody might show up in a, in a, 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 you know, a, a costume, right? Um, all right, so why are you here? <laughs> we thought you were gone by March, right? Um, I was hoping to be gone, not hoping to leave, but hoping that I would have a visa and we could um, start the transition to be closer to my mother-in-law. I'm still waiting on my visa. 
Australia's had record number of immigration in this past year. They were closed for um, a, a extended amount of time because of COVID. They really had a tight lockdown, being an island nation. They're fiercely protective of what comes in. And then when they opened up, there were all these people who had been waiting to apply. And also, as we see across the globe with all the turmoil that's happening in the world, people view Australia as a relatively safe place to live. So they've experienced a lot of uh, immigration because of that. And right. I am um, at the whim of the Australian federal bu- bureaucracy. So my application is in the queue and I just wait my turn. With that being said, we've had plenty of work in downtown to keep us busy. Yeah. So yeah. it has been nonstop for our team, for the development team, uh, all our great partners on these ground floor spaces. There's a lot going on and uh, uh, plenty to keep me busy and keep my mind off of worrying about that move. You're looking to make the move, though, while the kids would be off from school, right? Our hope is that the visa will come over the next few months. The kids will finish the American school year here and then get down to Australia before the second half of the Australian school year, which starts July 18th. Interesting. Yeah, they're they're opposite, right? And the toilets flush the <laughs> opposite way as well. Uh, <laughs> we'll test that when Talk Harry comes live down under. Okay? Yes, when we do our remote <laughs> to Sydney. Uh, all right, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that's a good segue. Talking about the retail spaces. Yes, we are in a you yeah. know we've got the floor to ceiling windows. Yes, we have a window on Erie's Renaissance like Erie Apparel next to us, like Rita's and Subway and Primo's. And talk about how these retailers are doing because there's a lot of early adoption going on around here, right? We are so grateful to have found so many wonderful local businesses who also believe in the potential of downtown. It has changed so much from when I first started here. March 12, 2018 was my first day down here. And then as we entered into COVID, um, it became basically a ghost town. Wow. But we are starting to see people come back downtown. We're starting to see more life in downtown. And that's because we have these great amenities. We have wonderful shops. We have great restaurants and a food hall now. We've got a market. We have uh, now have the parking that's available for everyone. You're starting to see... Uh, events and activities that had a great history before COVID come back to life. Friday was packed down here thanks to gallery night. Um, The St. Patrick's Day parade, which had had a a hiatus for a little bit, has come back and has been packed. So it's been wonderful to see downtown just take on a whole new life. And our retail shops, our great local businesses on the ground floor are such a critical part of that. You guys, uh, EDDC, uh, really is being uniquely generous in 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 being partners with a lot of these locations not only for retail but for the food uh, and beverage uh, servers there it's it's kind of like you're grow you're growing with them or or they're growing with you as it were however you want to look at it absolutely our goal is in a revitalized downtown we are unlike a traditional landlord who just wants a rent check we want to see downtown full of life we want to create a diverse welcoming vibrant downtown and we've been fortunate to identify partners in that process and those like yourselves like um uh eerie apparel like primo tailoring uh point four and on and on we found great partners great local entrepreneurs and business owners who believe in the long-term potential of Erie's downtown. 
when uh, when you look at the food hall, eighteen months in, um, you know what what would be your uh, your evaluation of how that's all going? Because you you you've 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 had a little bit of change, but not significant change over eighteen months as far as the who's in those uh, booths there. And yes, and you think about the restaurant industry as a whole, how many restaurants don't make it past that first year? How many restaurants don't make it past the second year? We've been fortunate to have that stability over there. Again, we've got great partners in that process. The vendors each do a fantastic job with their respective food, with their respective menus. We anticipate that there will be more turnover for good and bad reasons. We know people are going to want to maybe graduate from the food hall and take on their own restaurant. Um, and so we, we are anticipating those days, but that space from now for the foreseeable future will remain the community's dining room, a spot where anybody from the community is welcome, where there's something for everyone and where it will be a home of great um, amenities and uh, events and activities like getting your band to come back yeah. in the next few months ahead. You're going to hold him to it, right? I'm going to hold him to that. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. we need to come back. Uh, the the um, the you know the food halls one thing. Uh, having people's shopping habits changed is another thing. Talk about you know the challenges and the successes happening at the public market because that was that was really uh, you had a fire in your belly about stopping this narrative that Erie downtown is a food desert. Absolutely. We look at every project from a economic perspective and a social impact perspective. We know that downtown had been a food desert for too long, and that was something that we wanted to solve, but we couldn't do it ourselves. We had to find great partners, and we are fortunate that Erie Food Cooperative and Gordon's uh, uh, Market were up for that task. That is taking off. It is a challenge to change people's shopping habits overnight. There are still a lot of people who live down here who are shopping at Rite Aid and Dollar General, which um, I've been frank in saying that the, the, um, the, what they can find at those stores doesn't compare to the freshness, the quality, the substance that you can find from the co-op or from Gordon's. And so we want people making um, healthier decisions. We want people to eat, be eating healthier. And that's why we want them shopping at these two great local businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about uh, what might be in store for, for some of the other spaces. Now, as far as fifth and state goes, Ascent has all of the ground floor, right? Or is there room for anything? Ascend, uh, our Ascent, climbing yeah. gym, is going to take two floors. On the ground floor, there will be a yoga room. There will be some um, some climbing equipment, free weights, cardio equipment. There will be a two-story climbing wall. There will be a four-story climbing wall. There will also be some boulders. They go floor to ceiling and replicate climbing in the outdoors. When we talk about the age of Amazon, it's a challenge for businesses to compete against next day delivery service when someone can just open up their app and press a button and have whatever they want uh, at their home the next day. You can't get that experience through Amazon. Mm -hmm. When you are climbing four stories in the air and trying to figure out this puzzle of which way to go up, 
that is not something that you can replicate via an app. So we're excited about the destination that they're going to create in downtown. They were here on Friday. They're going to come back on Thursday. We've talked with them about hosting some climbing competitions in the future. Climbing is one of the fastest growing sports in the world. It will be an Olympic sport in 2024. And I would love to see someday in the future that there is a competitor on the U.S. Olympic team who has come from Erie, Pennsylvania. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. As we talk about Fifth and Peach, how many, you said three ground floor units? Three ground floor units, and we are getting closer to making that announcement. Some, could, could be uh, some dining options, maybe? <laughs> there is a dining option. Uh, familiar, I think, um, f- uh, f- uh, f- uh, fan-friendly option. And yeah. then there are two new concepts, which I think people are really going to enjoy. And again, they're going to reinforce downtown as a destination. Those concepts are going to be offering each of these three businesses will provide an experience that you can't get from online so you're going to have to come down to experience it yourself all right you uh you gave a interview to jim martin from the newspaper uh and you know the headline is uh, edc ceo persinger where does erie downtown group go from here in the uh, inclusive playbook we had kim thomas here a couple weeks ago uh she talked about uh, right embedded in the playbook is a 200 million dollar phase two for the EDDC. Um, what are your thoughts? Where would that money come from? What, you know, and where does the EDDC go from here? There is so much more work to be done in downtown and there are no shortage of properties from the Bayfront to 18th street that need some TLC. So there is plenty of opportunity for the organization in the years ahead where, uh, as I mentioned earlier, None of this happens without our board organizations. Without them stepping up, creating the entities, raising the money, none of this would have happened. So as long as those board organizations are still part of the EDDC and the Erie Downtown Equity Fund, things will continue to push forward. The cities that do this work the best, they layer the public capital and the private capital on top of each other. $200 million is is definitely not out of the question if we could take that approach and i think there's plenty um plenty of room for uh, as i said growth in downtown and plenty where i think you could see some uh collaboration on future projects well i'm thinking about what it took for you to get uh you know your north park road properties in that block online just for the electrical grid for example correct, correct. and so you, I could see where a uh, money from the infrastructure bill could be layered in just so that you could pay the Penelec bill because the last Penelec bill you paid was out of pocket, right, John? Cor- correct. The Erie Downtown Equity Fund has spent over a million dollars on Penelec invoices just to get the electrical service um, up to date. That's and, not monthly. That's no, just the infrastructure. That's just the infrastructure. There's been 104-year-old water lines that have been replaced. We've been um, fortunate to have a great partner in VNet in bringing uh, high-speed internet down here. 
all that infrastructure is critical to getting further investment. You can't have a building in 2023 without electrical service, um, clean water, uh, high-speed internet. And so we need to lay those building blocks before we can anticipate or expect someone else to come in and invest in the actual uh, properties above ground. When you, when you think about the ED, when I think about the EDDC, I think part of the genius is the compactness of the investment of like basically uh, using a bullseye and saying, we're going to focus on these. What did you say? Seven blocks or five blocks? I can't remember what it was. Um, Initially, our board wanted to focus on 16 blocks. Yeah. And we came back and talked about tightening that focus even smaller. We learned this lesson from Cincinnati, and that is cluster your investments together. You want to generate market confidence uh, and attract other investors. They need to see what is happening. And I didn't. Uh, I don't think I fully appreciated that lesson until we started building these new projects across the street. At that point, I heard so many people who hadn't been downtown in a while talk about all the construction that was going on. It's because they could see it. They could see the difference. They knew that there was a uh, McDonald's there that was the number one location of crime in the entire city. And now they're seeing a 60,000 square foot mixed-use building. They can see that transportation transformation. It gets them excited. It attracts the interest of outside investors. And so I'm, I'm grateful and glad that the board signed off on us focusing on a tighter footprint because if we had done a project at, say, you know, the second in Holland and then did a, another project at, uh, at 12th and Chestnut, you wouldn't see the impact in the way that you do by seeing these 12 projects right on these three blocks. And it's allowing other, other investors to make, make their moves in those other areas. So, I mean, there's got to be buildings with, you know, within sight, within a, a nine iron shot, basically, that could use either TLC or they're underutilized right now. Would would, would that be uh, kind of a good idea for a second phase? For I mean, and let's not forget, you still have one more building in in phase one to build, right? I mean, that's right. We have to build in the middle of North Park Row and restore the historic Marlena Place building that's also on North Park Row, right next to the food hall. From the beginning, it was important to get a critical mass up and running as soon as possible because we wanted to we wanted people to believe that downtown was actually going to change if we had gone one project at a time it would have been incredibly difficult for us to recruit commercial partners it would have been incredibly difficult to get people to live downtown they weren't going to see it we needed it to do all this work as quickly as possible now that we have this critical mass of 12 properties, um, 100 plus apartments, a 312 space parking garage, more than 34 new businesses, we can go, I think, project by project and go one at a time and figure out which projects are ready to be redeveloped, which owners may be willing to partner with us or walk away from properties that they haven't taken care of. And there's less of an emphasis on getting as many properties as uh, closely together as quickly as possible. You were uniquely um, qualified 
to do this work. I mean, at, with you as an attorney, as uh, as a, a public figure, you know, from your run to, for mayor, uh, I think it was a genius move on the part of the EDDC board to hire you as the executive director as you trans or I, as the CEO. Excuse I, me. Well, I I do have to give Tim Nicastro a lot of credit there because yeah. he was willing to look outside the box. I was not a developer. I think there were some voices who thought this role should go to a quote unquote traditional developer, mm -hmm. but Tim was savvy enough to understand the challenges. He was savvy enough to understand um, the history of the, I call it the graveyard of failed economic development initiatives and know kind of what we needed in this role to overcome those um, past failures. And so that's why he was willing to look outside that traditional mole or model of a uh, developer. And so I will be forever grateful for him for for that, uh, for thinking that way. But uh, uh, again- Well, think about where your journey went, John. You, you testified in front of Congress a typical developer doesn't do that, <laughs> but it was a it was a bigger story. I I tell the communities who have come to us looking for guidance and um, any lessons learned that the job is easy in um, one sense. We're far behind other communities, as you pointed out. You can look around the globe and see what's worked, what hasn't worked, and apply those lessons here. The challenging part though, the really difficult part, is understanding what's going to work in Erie. What's gonna work from a cultural standpoint, from a taste standpoint, from an economic standpoint. There, That's where really the challenge lies. And I, I think by being in the community, um, by having run for mayor and having heard from so many different voices through town halls and knocking on doors, I had a good sense of, of what the, I had a good sense of the potential for downtown and it's been great to see it uh, come alive particularly in the last sort of 12 to 18 months and I'm so excited for what's to come in the years ahead so back to the what's next question would uh, the next leader uh, be more appropriately kind of a not a caretaker but maybe an operator as you add because this was a this is a this is a startup this is wholly different now that you're going to have what 500,000 square feet online or whatever it is uh, when it's all said and done we're, we're still a startup as i can attest i was moving a printer today and figuring out how to get it uh connected uh to our our new office uh internet the role is certainly different in the sense that we now have projects done and completed. Yeah. And when I was hired, there was nothing. And so there is a, a lot more challenges today from a property management, from a day-to-day -day operational side. But we are the Erie Downtown Development Corporation. We were set up to transform downtown through property development. And we talk about that with our team, that the development comes first and foremost. And so I know the board is going to continue to look for other properties for us to redevelop. All right. Got a couple quick uh, shotgun questions from our listeners here. Um, and, uh, you know, keep keep the answers short here. Uh, da, 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 da. The uh, What is public capital? So public capital are any funds that come from the government. So, yeah, I mean, so basically uh, when you have RACP funding or, or you know, uh, that, uh, ARP money, that kind yep. of thing. Yeah. Uh, 
can you ask about Molly Brannigan's building posting a four lease sign? That's not your building, but everybody's watching that. That's right. That is not our building. I I do know that Molly's um, is closed, and I saw the four uh, for lease sign, but I can't tell you anything other than that. When you were running, you had mentioned you wanted to tear down a thousand homes in the city that were blighted. Uh, you know that comes up a lot. That may be one of the keynotes of your campaign. Mm-hmm. That is it, that still has that resonates today. We still have to do something about blight, and we need to do it quicker than we're doing it now. To um, make that statement, we looked at what other communities had done, and I forget the exact stats, but you saw um, South Bend, a city of comparable size, had done more than that. Baltimore had done more than that in a shorter time period. Detroit had done more than that in a time period. There are other communities who have addressed their surplus of properties issue. We it, Throughout the um, post-industrial Northeast and Midwest, we have <clears throat> communities where their populations are not what they once were. And so there are buildings that um, are blighted, vacant, underutilized, abandoned, and need to be either torn down or redeveloped. And um, something needs to be done with those properties. When, now here's a, my last couple fire fire questions here uh, with John Persinger. Um, we identified at the beginning of this year as we kind of did our survey of where Erie was at that our number one problem is population loss. That w- if we don't fix that part of it, then maybe all of this is not for naught, but it, it's not going to have the impact like we want it to have, which is to have a vibrant uh, community. Where do you see how? Where do you see that the efforts of the EDDC fits? in reversing population loss? We have been clear from the beginning that we are not the end-all be-all, that we are just one part of many solutions that the community is putting forth. In order to reverse the population decline, we need to have jobs and people need to see that there are economic opportunities here. The job creators, though, want to see that this is a place where they want to live, where this is a place where they want to raise their families and where they see a future. So this is a classic lesson that has been learned by other communities. They've worked on revitalizing themselves, and then they've been able to attract other businesses and other industries. If you are visiting uh, uh, just anywhere and it doesn't, if you're visiting a neighborhood looking for a home, and that neighborhood doesn't look nice. Your next door neighbors haven't kept up their properties. The weeds are overgrown. The sidewalks are covered with garbage. Are you going to buy that home? Are you going to invest in that neighborhood? Probably not. And that's what we have here. We need to make our downtown, our bayfront, other parts of the community as spectacular as they can be. And then we'll start seeing some outside investment. Last 30 seconds. Uh, we, we talk a lot about leadership. We feel that nonprofit leadership is strong. Private, uh, private leadership is strong. Public leadership, the, the jury's still out yet. Uh, comment on that. Just push back. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll let you, I'll let you slide. Well, we appreciate your leadership and the leadership of, of your board of directors. <laughs> no, no, I just, I, I, I think I, it, for Erie to be up for the task, Leadership is the key quotient. Leadership matters no matter whether it's Erie, America, or the world. Things just don't happen. You need leaders to make them happen. You need people to set a vision 
and hold people accountable to push forward to that vision. I'm grateful we've got a wonderful board of directors who's done that with us. Thank you, John Persinger, CEO of the EDDC. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. Oh,